Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. A happy Wednesday to you. Glad that you are with us talking some college football in about 25 minutes or so, getting us set for the college football semifinal matchups. And even more than that, we have some opt-outs. We have some cancellations. Plus, Aaron Torres will reveal his AT top 10 in college hoops in about 20 minutes or so. Not the AP. That's the Associated Press's deal. Aaron Torres gives you the AT top 10 in about 20. Right now, I want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. Whether you root for whatever sport you love to watch, the biggest games are even bigger in Vegas. Make sure to plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. If you are a fan of a team in the AFC that includes the Las Vegas Raiders, you still have something to cheer for. In fact, 13 of the 16 teams in the American Football Conference, Aaron, are still alive for a playoff berth. The NFL doesn't love the term parity. They like competitive balance. There is quite a bit of competitive balance in the AFC right now. As I mentioned, only the Jaguars, Jets, and Houston Texans from that conference are not eligible to make the postseason. Everyone else is, and here we are with two weeks to go, the amount of teams still available for a playoff spot, the percentage of teams setting an NFL record. My question, and the thing that I've been trying to decipher, not only now but for the last couple of weeks, as it seemed that only the Jets and Texans were Jaguars were the teams that were eliminated, Aaron, it's is this the new NFL? There have been a lot of changes over the last couple of years, whether it be weeks in the season, whether it be number of playoff teams. But is this what we're going to now get in the National Football League with so many teams still alive with so few games left? So I, I don't know if if the AFC is kind of what the future is. I don't know if the NFC, which is a little bit more top heavy, is what the future is. Um, but I do believe and, and it's so funny, the, these these rule changes that are these decisions that feel big in like every every rule has unintended consequences right and Mm -hmm. i remember when they added this 17th week and then they added of course the the extra wild card two years ago i remember sitting there saying like you know i really like the way the nfl and i i feel like i probably talked with it talked about it on my show maybe with you at some point filling in but when it became clear they're adding the seventh playoff I said you know I really like the symmetry of the two games Saturday on wildcard weekend the two games Sunday on wildcard weekend then of course into the divisional round then of course into the AFC NFC championship game and I don't think that I realized the trickle down effect and the unintended consequence or frankly probably the intended consequence of adding one wildcard team and what it does for this playoff race where you have so many teams especially in the NFC or in the AFC, excuse me, that are still alive for one of those wildcard berths. I mean, I think, again, I, I know there were a lot of different reasons, including dollars and cents, why they added that extra wildcard spot, but I don't think I could have realized how many teams it would keep involved in the playoff race this late in the season. Yeah, I didn't like it. Uh, I didn't like it either because I just – I I like the exclusivity of a sure. of a very difficult – 
uh, road to navigate to win a title. And I would rather leave out two good teams than to include two bad teams. And I actually felt that last year when the Bears made the playoffs, it was not a playoff caliber team. The, The Bears qualified for the playoffs, but in my mind, not a playoff team. But on the other hand, you had the Colts and Phillip Rivers go to Buffalo and almost knock off the Bills in a 2-7 matchup. And, and my argument was I actually thought it was unfair that the Bills had to play that game because in years past, the top two seeds would get the bye. I, like you, love that symmetry of the doubleheader on Saturday, doubleheader on Sunday, then the next week we get the doubleheader. The triple header didn't really change things for me because, again, I felt that the two seed was kind of being put in a bad spot for having to, to play the game. But I think I, I think what what – has transpired is not only is it the extra playoff spot that would allow these teams to uh, to be in the playoff hunt because honestly if you cut it off at six right now you still would have the same amount of playoff teams in the nfc still in the hunt in the afc you would still have a majority of them depending on tiebreakers with the seven and eight browns and broncos i'm not sure if they would still be alive but you have a nine and six team right now in the sixth spot you have an eight and seven team in the seventh spot what i think it's done aaron and i do think it is a sign of the times and i think that we're going to see more of what's happening in the afc than we are in the nfc is because this season is so long and it's it's crazy to say that when we complain about how long the the nba season is and really how short the nfl season is but to think of these teams and to think of how long it takes you to be on top of your game to now navigate an 18 week season and and stay on top of your game i just don't see it i think you are going to see the the ups and downs of the kansas city chiefs like you saw this year i think that tampa bay's footprint or blueprint that they had last year where it took them like the first half of the season to even get accustomed to tom brady being there and i know that the covid situation and how there was no preseason probably played a role in that but there is no doubt that tampa bay got on a roll after their late bye and then used that to propel them through the playoffs and onto the super bowl i think that's the way to go because i just think it's so difficult now to try to navigate a 17 game 18 week season in the NFL and to try to be on top of your game for those weeks and then try to peak in the playoffs I just think it's darn near impossible well and if you think about if you kind of like think of it as like branches on a tree right so like let's start let's just start with the Dallas Cowboys just think about the Cowboys season okay first of all you go back to August is Dak gonna play how healthy is he gonna be he's going in for a second MRI what does it mean they lose to the Bucks okay they're whatever they lose to the Bucks on opening night okay they're they're the Cowboys they'll be fine whatever then all of a sudden four or five weeks in they beat the Chargers they beat the Patriots and you sit there are they better than oh they might they might be the best team in the NFC then they lose uh, to the Denver Broncos completely out of nowhere. Then I vividly remember being on with you on a Sunday filling in for George Reister when they can't move the ball against the Kansas City Chiefs in the Arrowhead. And we're like, they're done. They were overrated the whole time. And now you see what happens after the Washington game. But then take kind of the branches of that tree and think about Washington four or five weeks ago. They beat Tampa. What does that mean? Is Washington going to make a run? Oh, my goodness. What about Philadelphia? The Giants had a good – So, and I remember, you know – even three or four weeks ago sitting there saying, looking at the Washington football team or looking at the Cowboys schedule down the stretch saying, yeah, they're probably still going to win the division. 
But Washington, I mean, look at how Washington's played. Those yeah. aren't going to be easy games down the stretch. And now you look at what happened on Sunday. You look at what's going to happen uh, over these next couple weeks. It really, it really is incredible, as you said, how the season seems really short in, in real time as we're kind of going week by week and breaking down game by game. But when you think about the totality of how long a season is, the ebbs and flows, the storylines that come with it, it really is kind of crazy how long it feels. I still would like a 16 16- playoff for each conference i and i and i think that there's an argument that could be made to even keep it this like, like if you were to cut it off as i mentioned right now the two nine and six teams that would be in the five and six the two wild cards would be the colts and patriots so every eight and seven team that is sitting there in the afc that includes the dolphins would be in right now if the playoff started right now including the chargers including the raiders including the uh, ravens who are eight and seven they all would be on the outside looking in and I don't think we'd have an argument about it. We'd say, oh, they're nine and six. They were eight and seven. Maybe, maybe the Chargers could have been a team that you, you really liked, but you don't lose to the Texans. And maybe the Ravens are a team you like, but you don't have Lamar Jackson. Like there's, th- there are very few arguments that I could make for a team from the AFC. If you were to cut it off at six right now, that I would say, you know what? They shouldn't be in the playoffs. And I actually feel the same way with the NFC. When you look at the teams that are on the outside looking in, you just mentioned Washington, a team that I liked to win that division at the start of the year and and kept on holding out hope that that Washington would be able to turn it around and thought maybe that Buccaneers game was an opportunity they're at six and nine and still in the playoff picture but as you said they're they, they, they are not a playoff team and they're not going to make the playoffs you have the Saints who are dealing with their own issues the Falcons may be the worst seven and eight team that I've ever seen I do not believe in the Falcons and then you have the Vikings who just can be a complete mess from week to week like those teams right now are on the bubble and on the outside looking in, and I just don't think that they're great football teams right now. And Philadelphia being in that seven spot, you know, it's a nice story. They've been playing some good football lately, but you beat Washington, you beat the Giants, you beat, you know, the Falcons. These are the wins that are on their schedule. I'm just not a big believer in Philadelphia. I'd rather chop them out than maybe allow one of these other teams to sneak into that seven spot. So even though we have more meaningful games down the stretch, you wouldn't have a problem going back to six? No, I would. I think because I still I, – I, I, I don't like the two seed having to play a game. I agree. I, I, agree. I don't think that I, – I just don't think that that's great for them. And I know you're saying, guess what? Now the Chiefs game means more because – of of the Titans being on their heels or Green yeah. Bay's game means more because you've got Dallas and the Rams and the Buccaneers all being there at 11 and 4 but as those standings are out right now the Titans games would still matter because they're trying to fight for that that first round bye you're still if you're the Cowboys Rams and Buccaneers your game's playing because you're also if you're the 2 seed would still be fighting for the first round bye and i just i just think it's a I think it's a better reward. I just think it's a lot to ask of a two seed when you maybe maybe it's a year, Aaron, where your division gets to play that weak division from the other conference and someone else has to play that strong division. And while you may have navigated your schedule, albeit tougher, in a nearly identical way as the other the other league, that other guy may have one more win than you. And they're the ones that get to advance and get that top spot. That's. I, I, I like the old format, but 
I, I just I, I'm not in love with all of these teams being in. I think something has to do with the Jets and, and Jaguars and Texans being so bad in the AFC, which allows some teams to be in. But in the end, I just think it penalizes the two seed. And uh, that's why I'd like it to go back to six. And, and I would say, too, and, and this is not at all an element of any decision making that is done. Um but like these guys are human beings too, and and like I, in some ways you do feel bad because again there there's the unintended consequence of all these games meaning more for the middle and the bottom of of the each conference because of course they're fighting for those last one or two wild card spots. But again, those then those teams at the top have to play more games because they're fighting to get that number one seed. And so what you're really doing, uh, Dan, is you're not only adding one regular season game, but in a lot of cases for a lot of teams you're adding on the body, you know the body blow count of these these players that matter the Aaron Rodgers the Patrick Mahomes the uh, you know guys for Tennessee the guys for Tampa whatever you're really adding a second game because it used to be it seemed like there was at least two or three teams that kind of regardless of what happened they couldn't really move up and they had already locked in that uh, first round bye and they didn't have to play in weeks what was then week 17 what will now be week 18 and it remains to be seen if the Chiefs or the Packers or whomever will have to play their guys and and maybe it won't work that way but you know that is another thought that I that I did kind of have while you were talking is the idea that you added one true regular season game, but now uh, not only is the bottom is everybody fighting at the bottom, but everybody's fighting at the top now because there's one fewer buy. Um, you know, there's a human element of it too. I don't think anybody cares, and they'll say, "Oh, you know, we've limited padded practices and we've done this and we've done that." But uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the long term. But I'm kind of with you. I, I get the positives, but I also I, I still did like that previous system the way that it was set up and, and it's never going to go back but if it did I would have no fundamental issue with the, it. So. The one thing that I do think that you have to look at and maybe we're getting too too deep into all of this is if the number one seed clinches if you're the two seed and you're sitting there well I've won my division I don't have anything to play for because number one's already locked up. Now am I just playing to see who I may play in the next round as opposed to maybe trying to continue to play for that two seed? Again, these these could all be unintended consequences that, that we didn't believe that would happen. The, in, in saying all of this, and I do think that the league and the NFL is headed more towards what the AFC looks like right now as opposed to the NFC. I don't think we are giving enough credit to the Green Bay Packers for the three losses that they have. You can point to the Cowboys stinker that they had against the Broncos in the middle of the year. You mentioned the Buccaneers ending up losing that game to Washington. Green Bay had the stinker in week one to the Saints, lost to the Chiefs without Aaron Rodgers, and then lost by a field goal to Minnesota. Those are the three losses right now. So in, in trying to navigate all this, it's Green Bay that's kind of going against the grain of what I think the NFL has turned into and maybe why the regular season is better than we even believe. One last thought to this that has really nothing to do with this topic but everything to do with it. This is also why I do worry a little bit about expanding the college football playoff. I think everyone, oh, we're going to get more meaningful games. It's like, yeah, but I saw Michigan State give up 49 points in the first half to Ohio State. They're not a quote-unquote playoff caliber team. But a team like that would get into a college football playoff. And I don't know that just because we have, quote unquote, more meaningful games, that it means we're going to get a, quote unquote, better product. I know that really has nothing to do with the topic at hand, but it was another kind of byproduct that I was thinking about when you were talking about a team like Philadelphia or somebody like that, Chicago last year, that is in the playoffs, but isn't really a playoff caliber team. Yeah, I, and I've always been the four school, the six school playoff. 
I'm coming around to the 12 a little bit more. I won't say why, but you know, to your point, I actually think that there are other there are other dominoes that could fall. And again, unintended consequences are all a part of this. But mm-hmm. I'm actually turning the, a little bit the other way in in college football. He is Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. If you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company. And that's why Discover matches all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match limitations apply. Aaron Torres puts a few college basketball teams on notice. We'll tell you who next year on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Dan Beyer. He's Aaron Torres sitting in for Doug today, AT's Top 10 in a matter of minutes. We're also going to talk some college football with Anthony Tresh, a pro football focus coming up at the bottom of the hour. Georgia now knows who their quarterbacks are going to be. We'll have that news and so much more. But first, I want to tell you that it can happen easily. A few drinks become a few too many. It's time to go and you think of calling for a ride home. Now, what's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over, you lose your license he totaled your car you kill someone drive sober or get pulled over paid for by nitsa i think we're getting some college hoops tonight i, yeah. I know like we, we we don't know if we're getting college football here or there i think we're getting some college hoops tonight and that hasn't been the case in a lot of places over this last week or so aaron but what better time than to talk college hoops than right now as when aaron and i get together we unveil the Aaron Torres top 10. It's the AT top 10 in college basketball. And I apologize. Do you do this on your other shows at all? Or is this just when you and I hook up? I don't. Arnie Spanier claims that any time that we would talk college basketball, we'd get fired. Uh, so <laughs> so I've n- I don't normally talk college hoops except for late February and early March. Uh, Dan, set the table for me. Am I going 10 to 1 or am I going 1 to 10? You I like me. you go 1 to 10 because we kind of okay. know who the top teams are in college basketball. Unless there's you know just some outlier that you have that is normally up there, but you have them way down. But I like going 1 to 10 in this uh, one. Okay. And I think this works because my number one team is not the AP. AP is so yesterday, last year, boring. Get them out of here. The AT number one team in the country, it is... Don Brown's Duke, Duke Blue Devils, okay? So Duke is, of course, uh, final year of Coach K, uh, the retirement tour, all that good stuff. But here's the bottom line. First of all, I was at the game against Gonzaga in Vegas, 84-81 win. Great game, iconic game. I would add the opening night win against Kentucky looks that much better uh, as Kentucky seems to be hitting its stride. They are one of the teams that plays tonight. Uh, so Duke is number one. Their only loss was on the road at your Ohio State Buckeyes, Dan, in a game that they controlled for a good chunk of it. So Duke is my number one team. Number two, another little surprise. Uh, it is actually Purdue. I have Purdue at number two. For people who are just now starting to get into college basketball, here's what you need to know. Purdue has a point guard named Jaden Ivey, who I think could be the number two pick in the NFL NBA draft, as high as number two behind only Duke's Paolo Bancaro. Big guard, athletic. He reminds me a little bit of Ja Moran. I know it's unfair to compare anyone to Ja, but same type of style. Purdue also really big down low. I like them at number 
two. He, number three. Uh, by the way, he could be Jaw Ivy if he wanted to. Right? He could I be. Mean, if, he, if he wanted to go that way. but he could, he, A double dose of Jaw. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Listen, I'm telling you, you know, I, I'm telling you, this kid, when he gets on that national stage, people will be blown away by how good this kid is. A little bit of a better three-point shooter, too. Not saying he's Jaw, though. Number three is the team that the AP has number one. They're wrong. I'm right. It's the Baylor Bears. They're awesome. They play great defense. They're very balanced. Uh, they did lose Dan Byers' favorite basketball player of all time, Jared Butler, who you just adored, Dan Byer. I know yes, that. looks so um, cool in that uniform. He yep. did, but you know they're, they're very balanced. I don't think they have quite the star power at the top. I think they're really good. I'm not quite sure they're as good as the number one team in the country. Number four, I do have the Arizona Wildcats. I know they just lost last week at Tennessee. I give them credit. You fly cross country almost 3,000 miles. You play two days before Christmas when, frankly, most teams either aren't playing or playing, you know, cupcake you. Uh, Arizona's flying across country to play in front of 20,000 people in a packed house at Tennessee. Number five, I have the Kansas Jayhawks. Been a quiet couple weeks for Kansas. Beat Michigan State on opening night. Have not had many marquee wins since, but I do like the Kansas Jayhawks. Number six, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Know they lost to Duke. Know they lost to Alabama, but this is still a really, really good team. This is not a team that is as quite as good as last year, but everybody knows Drew Timmy. Still shoot the ball well. Still have good guard play. Duke at number six. Number seven, team that Gonzaga beat earlier in the year, the UCLA Bruins. Team obviously Gonzaga beat in the Final Four last year as well. UCLA has been on a COVID pause for ever, Dan. Uh, but they were really hitting their stride right before that pause. They beat Marquette at Marquette uh, by double digits. All the guys from the Final Four team are back. Literally every single player that played for them. I like them to continue to hit their stride as we get into uh, Pac-12 play. This is a fun one. Number eight and number nine play tonight, Dan, as Seton Hall travels to Providence. These are two teams that started the year off the radar Seton Hall's really good. They are coming off a COVID pause. Providence, I'm telling you, I know you're going to think I'm a homer. They went into a raucous XL Center and beat UConn on the road. They also have a win over Texas Tech. They also won at Wisconsin, as you know, Dan. I think Providence is for real. Big, tough, physical. They play tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time, I believe on FS1. So great plug there. Number 10, another team that is playing at 7 p.m. Eastern tonight, the Auburn Tigers. Uh, Really big up front. They have a kid named Jabari Smith, six foot eleven, seven feet, can step out and hit threes. There is potential talk of him as potentially the number one pick in the draft. I can't see him sliding past about three to five on draft night. That is your top ten. Duke number one, Purdue, Baylor, Arizona, Kansas, Gonzaga, UCLA, Seton Hall, Providence, the Auburn Tigers. Not only is Aaron Torres going against 61 media members who all had Baylor number one on their rankings, also 32 coaches or likely SIDs that had Baylor <laughs> number one in the coaches poll. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. Find me on Twitter at Dan Bayer on Fox. We will talk some college football and get you set for the college football playoff semifinals. But first, let's head over to the news desk with Isaac Lowenkron. I almost said the news deck. But then I made it the decks. It'd be cool. We, we actually have both in here. Deck. We should have a news kind of deck in the summertime, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like a grill a out there with the fun. grill, the barbecue. Yeah. That's yeah. actually a really good idea. I mean, right. doesn't Dan Patrick have like a grill sponsorship and we can get a, a sponsorship deal? Yeah. But oh. like party deck. Just, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. I like it. Boy, yeah, studio. Yeah. That's just a really good idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some phone calls. Before an an I... unintended consequence of me uh, of messing that up. 
<laughs> hey, isn't that how uh, Alexander Graham Bell like discovered the telephone or the radio or something by accident? I'm telling you, great yes. ideas uh, often begin just this way. So I'll get cracking on that as soon as we run down a busy day in the National Football League. 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, it turns out he does not need surgery on his injured thumb. He told reporters a short time ago he feels confident that he's going to be able to play this Sunday against the Houston Texans. The 49ers are 8-7. and seven. They are currently the sixth seed in the NFC. A short time ago, the Green Bay Packers activated cornerback Jair Alexander off of injured reserve. The Las Vegas Raiders have placed tight end Darren Waller on the COVID list. The Kansas City Chiefs activated tight end Travis Kelsey from the COVID list. Los Angeles Chargers doing the same, activating Pro Bowl pass rusher Joey Bosa and Pro Bowl center Corey Lindsley from the COVID list. Drew Locke expected to get the start at quarterback for the Broncos Sunday against the Chargers. Teddy Bridgewater still in concussion protocol. Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson returned to practice today after missing two games with an ankle injury. Baltimore is presently the eighth seed in the AFC. They'll be hosting the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. The NBA has postponed the Heat-Spurs game in San Antonio tonight because the Heat are short the required eight available players. College football at Yankee Stadium. The Pinstripe Bowl has turned into a walk in the college park for Maryland. They're up 34-10 to over Virginia Tech with six minutes left to play in the third quarter. Finally, in the National Hockey League, the Nashville Predators take on the Washington Capitals at 7 p.m. Eastern in tonight's Discover Card key matchup. Brought to you by Discover. If you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company, and that's why Discover matches all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Dan and Aram. Aaron. Oh, gosh, here we go. <laughs> You've been I transposed you yeah. with hey. with boxing promoter Bob Arum. Oh. Sorry about that, Aaron. I've spent too much time on the party deck already. Yes, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> party deck. Not as bad as mispronouncing Ephraim Salam's name. He doesn't like that, as I found out. I yeah. accidentally did that. Yeah. Hey, it's all good. It's all I good. I can see Take- where you confuse me with Bob Arum, by the way. You know, he's like 94. And- <laughs> no, okay. Either or. Either images. or. Well, we're not going to mess up Anthony Tresh's name. That is not going to happen. Find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Tresh, senior college football analyst for Pro Football Focus. Okay, before we get into the real deal, Anthony, I want to get your thoughts on Virginia Tech's helmet with the Yankee logo on the side. We touched on this earlier in the show. Are you a fan of Virginia Tech playing in the pinstripe bowl with this NY on the side of their helmet? Uh, personally, no. I mean, it, it really did kind of confuse oh. me when I first saw it, and then I saw it on Twitter, and I really wasn't a fan of it. I feel like they need to go all out if they're going to go ahead and go that route, but they, just kind of mixing it up like that, I wasn't a fan of it. But I, oh. I do like kind of the direction they're headed on, but they need to go all in on it. I, I I liked it. I you know, and I'm usually the old guy that doesn't like any change for anything, but I thought uh maybe maybe they started something with that trend. Hasn't helped them at all today in this game, as Isaac Lowencron mentioned, it's been all terps. All right, let's get to the real deal. Uh Georgia finally getting some clarification uh that Stetson Bennett would be the starting quarterback for the pl- uh, playoff game against Michigan on Friday. Kind of what we expected, but does that change anything now that we've heard Todd Monken say it and we've heard that Kirby Smart say it? Does that change anything with Georgia going up against Michigan? No, not at all whatsoever. I mean, it's definitely an interesting storyline to follow there just because of the preseason hype with JT Daniels. I mean, I've always been in the camp that 
Um, I, I always thought the hype was a little bit overblown. I know he was a five-star recruit, but he had a great game against Mississippi State in that debut back in 2020. But that's really the only quality performance he's really had in his collegiate career. He kind of did struggle down the stretch there, especially against uh, Cincinnati um, in that bowl game last year. So I, I think Stetson Bennett, he is – He's kind of the lesser of the two evils, right? I think he's just kind of the safer option there. Kind of, he is the game manager type aspect of it. Um, and I do think that, you know, what happened in the SEC title game, and I don't think he was the reason why they lost the game, but he was the reason why they never had a chance when they went down. And, and you know, that's just kind of the Georgia team. And I think they would have been in the same boat with JT Daniels just because, um, you know, he can hit those go balls down the sideline. I think he can – you know, he can hit the deep ball just maybe a little bit better than Stetson, but Stetson has been surprising in that regard um, throughout the 2021 season. But, you know, at the end of the day, with his mobility, um, you know, I, I think Stetson's the, the right guy to start there. And, you know, he's been taking the reps all year long. So I don't think it changes anything with Georgia. Um, you know, the quarterback position, regardless of who's out there, in my opinion, was going to be an issue. Um, and, you know, that's what kind of makes this game a little bit intriguing, right? Because if Michigan can kind of, you know, stay disciplined on the, those early downs because Todd Mockin this year, they really never had to be, you know, in those obvious passing situations, right? They've been playing with the lead for most of the season. Um, and they had the benefit of, you know, running a lot of play action on early down. Um, about 50% of the time, they actually have done that this year. A lot of heavy personnel with that talented tight end group. And they've had a lot of success with it. That's the minutes really delivered. Um, they've actually had one of the most efficient passing offenses in, at the Power 5 level um, on early downs, the most efficient to be exact um, and for that reason. And I think if Michigan can stay disciplined, um, you know, really limit those you know, early down play action shots that they're going to sprinkle in there, it's going to happen. I mean, get Stetson Bennett in those third and long situations, then they can start to get interesting there, get creative with the pass rush, you know, present those mud looks because you know, that's what happened in the SEC title game. Alabama got him to that point. And, you know, they really confused Stetson Bennett there with the pressure looks that they had there, um, you know, had some simulated pressures in there. And I think if you can do that, I'd also have Aiden Hutchinson, who is the best uh, edge defender I've ever seen at the collegiate level, even better than Chase Young, better than the Bosa's. Um, you know, he actually is the most valuable player we've ever seen at the position in the PFF College era by a country mile surpassing, you know, those talented players from Ohio State. Um, it's got a huge benefit for Michigan there. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, but going back to your original question there, I, I don't think it really changes much, you know, regardless if, it, if it's JT or Stetson. I think quarterback was always going to be an issue, um, you know, regardless who was out there. Anthony Tresh uh, at PFF underscore Anthony on Twitter, joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Aaron Torres and Dan Beyer. So, Anthony, uh, you know, you, you kind of laid out a lot of the Georgia, you know, element of this. Um, and you seem to think that the quarterback doesn't really matter. It's going to come down to the run game and the defense for Georgia. What does Michigan have to do as a touchdown or more underdog to come out with a win on uh, Friday night in uh, or uh, in Miami? Excuse me. I was going to say Orlando, Miami. Yeah, I mean, offensively, it, they really kind of have to do what they've done all year long as far as the passing game goes, and that's just, they really get tricky, you know, because they've actually been the most successful um, team in college football this year, running trick plays. You know, we like to look at expected points added um, at PFF to really look at, you know, the best measure of down-to-down efficiency from an offensive perspective, and no one's gained more expected points added through trick plays this year at the power five level than Michigan. It's not even close, and that's not surprising watching them. I mean, we saw it in the Big Ten championship game, um, you know, that Donovan Edwards 75-yard passing touchdown early. And then even when they're still significantly ahead, uh, Josh Gass and Jim Harbaugh getting there uh, with a flea flicker um, up big at a big game to really put them down there in Iowa's field position. So, um, you know, they really need to kind of get lucky and have some flukiness kind of go their way and catch Georgia off guard. Um, and, and they really need one of those big plays just because from a rushing perspective, that's definitely been their bread and butter. They're just as 
you know, successful handing the ball off and passing the ball. And even at the collegiate level where running backs are very valuable and the run game is valuable, it's still quite a surprise to see. Um, and you look at this Georgia rush defense, um, I, I, would, I would honestly be shocked if Michigan had success running the ball. And this is the best rushing attack, I think, in college football. Um, you know, what they had there with Hassan Askins and Blake Corum there, the highest-graded running back duo in college football. Just because you look at that, deep, that front seven that they have there, they are well-coached, well-designed, um, you know, technically sound, and then the most athletically gifted front seven that I think we've seen in quite some time um, with those linebackers and those interior defenders. I mean, we look at positively graded run play rate um, for interior defenders at the power five level. Georgia has three of the top four there with Devontae White, Jalen Carter, and Jordan Davis. Um, and so I'm going to be very shocked if, you know, Michigan has success running the ball, and that's their key to winning the game. I really do think that they're going to have to get some trick plays in there just like they have done really all year long. Um, maybe get J.J. McCarthy in there like they have done, you know, pretty much every single game for a couple of reps there. J.J.'s been, I think, has significantly more arm talent um, than Cade McNamara. I think that's quite clear. Uh, just really maybe not ready for the moment. But I think if you can get him in there, maybe get him um, involved in the design run game for a few plays um, and, you know, kind of confuse Georgia, I think that's really going to have to be their key there. They're going to have to, I think, get lucky and catch him off guard in that area. Senior college football analyst for Pro Football Focus, Anthony Trust, joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer, sitting in for Doug Gottlieb. Yeah, I messed up. I got the pronunciation right. Uh, that is no problem for me, but I messed up Anthony's Twitter handle earlier, at PFF underscore Anthony. That's the way that we go. With Alabama taking on Cincinnati, Bill O'Brien is back uh, from COVID protocols. Where do we see his fingerprints on this offense as opposed to maybe other Alabama teams? Yeah, I mean, this Alabama offense, uh, definitely the one area where you can kind of see, um, you know, not at the Alabama standards as the pass protection. I mean, even against Georgia, they were under pressure. Bryce Young was under pressure just about the same amount he has been all year long, um, just over a third of his dropbacks. But what he did on those plays really kind of elevated um, Alabama. And then, of course, just what he did from a clean pocket, he absolutely shredded. Um, and a big reason for that is it's not just losing one-on-one battles. I mean, outside of Evan Neal, the talent has not really been so much what Alabama has had in past years, um, that's for sure. But, you know, they're allowing a lot of free rushers, right? And that kind of does fall on the coaching staff just a little bit there. Um, you know, both Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone on the offensive line coach, both former NFL guys, just because, you know, you're not getting the right protection set in place. And, you know, we, we have seen that quite a bit this year. And I think that's just kind of where I look at this game and, think, well, I know it's a 13-and-a-half-point spread, um, but we shouldn't just assume Bryce Young is going to play as well as he did under pressure um, against Cincinnati as he did with Georgia just because that's a really unsustainable area of quarterback play. And we saw it, you know, even just a, you know, a little bit ago against Auburn in the Iron Bowl and even against LSU. I mean, those are two games Alabama barely scraped by and won. Um, but Bryce Young, he was under pressure a lot there. And he really had, you know, a tough time making plays. It's just because when those plays start to break, you kind of have to get lucky in some spots. And Bryce Young, I think, is, you know, what he can do when knocked off rhythm is truly special, especially for a true sophomore quarterback. I mean, and really just kind of the, his processing level and his decision-making is, is really, really rare. And that's why he's the, the highest-graded non-draft eligible quarterback we've ever seen in our grading base. At the end of the day, as we've seen a couple of times this year, pressure can disrupt that offense. And, you know, with that offensive line, that pass protection issue, uh, I think that could be an area where Cincinnati can take advantage of it and really slow down the Crimson Tide offense. You know, maybe get Bryce Young on the ground a couple of times for a sack. Um, you know, that would be huge as well as you, and that's what Auburn did. And, you know, those two teams in those two different games, it was interesting because 
the way they got pressure was very different. LSU, they brought the heat. They blitzed the moment about half of, half of his dropbacks, and that's how they got pressure. You look at Auburn. Auburn just really kind of bullied them with, with their front four, right? And they won one-on-one, but they also integrated some stunts. They had some creepers in there as well, pretty some well-designed uh, pressure plays. Um, and it really worked. And I think if you have that kind of going Cincinnati's way and then not having John Mechie out there for Alabama – I think is really, really big. Um, and then you have Sauce Gardner versus Jamison Williams, who, I mean, Sauce Gardner is having the best defensive back season that we've seen in the PFF college era. I mean, allowing under 20 yards in every single game played this year, 117 yards um, overall through 13 games. Most of his snaps coming on an island in press coverage. It's truly exceptional. But, of course, Jamison Williams is well above any receiver that he's going to see this year. Um, and so I think if, if Gardner can really come out and, you know, effectively contain Jamison Williams, if Cincinnati can get pressure on Bryce Young, I think it could be a very interesting game, and that's what I'm sitting there looking at, that 13.5-point spread, and say, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's really close um, in the end there. So, you know, even though the, the point spreads in both games are large, they're over a touchdown, I, I would not be surprised if we see close ones in the end, just with the way these teams are kind of built. I mean, there's no perfect team. Um, there's Each team, I think, really does have a significant flaw that can go negatively really quickly, and they've shown that at least one time this year. Senior college football analyst for Pro Football Focus. Find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Anthony, Anthony Trush. Anthony, we appreciate it. Enjoy the games on Friday, and heck, enjoy the rest of the games that that will be played. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely, fellas. Catch you later. Thank you, Anthony. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Bayer. Do you think it's okay to drive stone? The truth is your reaction time slowed way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Stop kidding yourself. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI paid for by NHTSA. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. Find me on Twitter at Dan Bayer on Fox. Matthew Stafford has a big fan. We'll tell you who that is next year on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. This is where real conversations happen. Listen to the Right or Wrong podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. He's here at Torres. I'm Dan Byer. It can happen easily. A few drinks become a few too many. It's time to go and you think of calling for a ride home. Nah, what's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over. You lose your license. You total your car. You kill someone. Drive sober. Get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Every weekday at this time, we like to hear something great from Fox Sports Radio or Fox Sports 1 and respond to it. It's a segment we like to call. And now. And today on the herd, Colin Cowherd sticking up, Aaron, for one Rams quarterback, Matthew Stafford. And the question is always, you know, what's the value of a quarterback? Um, so it's interesting. Let's look at the big quarterback move this offseason. Now, two years ago, it was Brady. This offseason, it was Matt Stafford to the L.A. Rams. So the Rams gave up two first-rounders and a third-rounder. Now you think to yourself, well, that's a lot, but uh, is, is it worth it? As of this morning, 
Forget the fact that Stafford's passer rating is 104 and Goff's with McVay last year was 90. Yards per game are not that different. It's the touchdowns. It's the ceiling. So last year, Goff finished with 20 touchdowns. Right now, with two games to go, Stafford's at 36. So he's going to double Goff. They stole him. Rams stole him. So when you're asking, what is a quarterback worth? There you go. That from Colin Cowherd earlier today. The only arguments that I hear against Matthew Stafford, and there are, there are a few, Aaron, and they're loud, but are hasn't won a playoff game and isn't that much better than Jared Goff. And I think the Collins point in showing the numbers there that I just don't know how people could think that Stafford and Goff are close, in my opinion. If you want to point to the playoff and, and Matthew Stafford hasn't won a playoff game, come to me in three weeks and then we'll have that conversation. That's, that, that, that's what I think that the arguments are. I just don't think – I think that anybody that watched football over the last three years, I don't know how you could say that Goff and Stafford are, are comparable because it's not even close. So I'll tell you this. I've had this thought over the last probably two or three weeks as I watched the Urban Meyer situation unfold in Jacksonville and uh, Shad Khan acting shocked that there was all this off-the-field stuff and all that. I only bring it up because I never really believed that organizations top to bottom could be dysfunctional. I always believed the, the right coach could change it, the right players could change it. Some organizations just are totally dysfunctional. And there's a reason the Lions have essentially been irrelevant for 45 years, 40 years, whatever it is, one playoff game what, since 1991, whatever. I bring it up to just say, yes, Matthew Stafford still has a lot to prove in these coming weeks in the playoffs, but we can also acknowledge he was in complete dysfunction for the first 10 years of his career. Yeah, I, I think that that is, that is fair enough. And, and, and don't let the two wins that the Lions have had lately, they may be on their road back. And maybe Jared Goff is, is getting some good play recently, but to me, they're just they're not close. I know Stafford's got something to prove in the postseason. I think he gets it done. He's Aaron Torres. I forgot about the back end. Get Aaron on Twitter, at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me, Dan Beyer, at Dan Beyer on Fox. NBA Twitter, you're not going to want to hear what we've got next. <laughs> 